Welcome everyone to Debt Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. Want to welcome everyone who's joining us tonight. Hope you could spend the next hour with us as we break the latest episodes in Fear the Walking Dead as well as World Beyond. We have lots to talk about tonight. If you guys are joining us for the first time tonight and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at DebtTalkLive.com. And as always, if you have yet to do so, please visit our YouTube channel, which is called Debt Talk Live, and go ahead and subscribe. And if you're there right now, it'd be greatly appreciated if you hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So let me go ahead and welcome some of you guys who are joining us tonight. Welcome to CC Wheezy. Carl and Enid is with us. Uh, Saz is moderating. Welcome to Philip on Facebook. Khaleesi is with us. Lindsay Sparks is with us. Daniel is with us. Stone Walkers is also with us. On the Instagram side, Carlos is joining us. Venomous. R. Rambo is giving us a smiley love face. Fernanda, welcome to all you guys. Like I said, thank you so much for uh, joining me here tonight. And we're going to be reviewing the latest episodes of uh, Fear the Walking Dead as well as World Beyond. But before we get to that, we have some dates to announce for you. Uh, Huck, played by Annette Mahandru, is going to be joining us one week from today. Uh, Monday, November 30th, and uh, <laughs> according to yesterday's episode, we are going to have a lot to talk about with Annette, and if the timing is perfect. She is going to be with us the day after the World Beyond finale, and we are going to have a lot to discuss. Uh, it's just great timing, and we also announced today on our social media that Justin Chu Carey, who plays the character of Spears, on the awesome Netflix zombie show Black Summer is also going to be a guest of ours. That's going to happen on December 9th. So we are going to get the two main co-stars, the two main stars of Black Summer, uh, Jamie King and Justin Carey, which is great. I, I'm so waiting. So I'm such a huge Black Summer fan, and I'm just waiting for season two to come out. If you guys have not watched Black Summer, it's an original Netflix show. If you have Netflix, it's right there. Season 1 is available for you to watch right now. Season 2 is hopefully going to be coming out very soon. It was hit as well with the uh, COVID pandemic delays. So hopefully sometime soon we'll be getting Season 2 of Black Summer. So, highly recommend that you guys watch that. Uh... Let's see what else we have going on. And also a reminder that after tomorrow's show, we are taking a break uh, for the, for the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. There will not be a Dead Talk Live between Wednesday and Sunday of this coming week. And we'll be back on the air again Monday with our special guest, Annette Mahandru, to talk about the World Beyond finale. Now, before we uh, actually even get to today's discussion uh we got another video submission from this time from hard productions this one is called mr mr rattlebone it's a kick-ass video and without further delay guys let's go ahead and check it out can you play back of ts19 few people ever got a chance to see this very few that's 
That's all we want. A choice. A chance. There's your chance. Take it. I'm grateful. The day will come when you won't be. You're like the calm. Want to make today your last day on earth? Slip to my neck. No. But that Bring is a good thing to bring up. Think Spruce about up it. my soul and you fill what it if it's with the last day on earth for you? For someone you love. Chained what if that's true? Beckoning Maybe you should be extra nice to those people in that RV. You never know. Chosen from a crowd like that. One in that. What happened, Rick? I thought you weren't the good guy anymore. Is that what you said? Right here, right now, you ain't gonna fight for him. I'm a better father than you, Rick. I'm better for than you, man. I'm a better man than you, Rick, because I can be and I'll fight for it. But you come back here and you just destroy everything. You step outside, you risk your life. You take a drink of water, you risk your life. And nowadays you breathe, you risk your life. Every moment now. You don't have a choice. The only thing you can That's choose right, is what you're risking it for. I'll be on you. Now take what I offer. Straight up the nose down the throat. It's a bearable. Herschel. Or Glenn. Or Maggie. Michonne. Daryl. Or Mom. I am no way in the life and the best looking
Like I did mine. So there you guys have it. I want to thank Ethan Hard Productions for submitting that video. I could tell from your guys' reaction as you guys were watching it, you all loved it as well. Awesome video. Thank you so much, Ethan. Uh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. So let's get started, okay? We are going to start with World Beyond today, okay? Uh, both episodes, Fear and World Beyond yesterday were great, but World Beyond... We are, next week, it's going to be the two-hour season finale. Two episodes in one day. Two-hour finale. And uh, we're going to lose some people. We're going to lose some people next week. I've been saying for a while now that I think it's going to be hope. It depends. Are we going to lose one person? Are we going to lose two people? So far, the group, nothing really that dramatic has happened to them. And I think that's all going to come to a head next week. Now, the big reveal yesterday was that Huck is indeed Elizabeth's daughter. Okay? It was Huck. Uh, if you guys have been watching me for a while, I have been theorizing that it might have been Isabel from Fear the Walking Dead. It's not. It's not. It's Huck. Huck has, was sent into the Omaha colony for the protection of an asset who we have no idea who that asset is. Now, we can safely assume, at least I think it's safe to assume, it's either Hope or Iris. It's not both of them. It's one of those two. One of those two is the asset. I believe it's Iris. Iris is the star of the show, Aaliyah Royale. Uh, now, next week, can we possibly lose Huck and Hope? I've been saying all along, something drastic has to happen to uh, change Iris's mindset on how she sees the world outside of the walls where she grew up in the Omaha colony. Something very drastic has to happen. And for me, and being a fan of the Walking Dead universe for well over 10 years now, and we have seen this over and over again, there is no bigger character pivot moment than losing someone very close to you. So I will not be surprised if next week we lose both Hope and Huck but man, it I ooh, I've got a feeling that we're that Huck is not gonna make it to season two. And now if we do end up losing Huck next week, what does that do to Elizabeth? Okay? What does that do to uh the leader of the CRM? Uh how are you how you know if now let's go under the assumption that we do lose Huck. How does she die? What are the circumstances of her death? There's a lot of questions that are going to be answered next Sunday. So we have to just wait and find out. But uh, wow, you know, I was really blown away to find out that Huck is Elizabeth's daughter. And, uh, you know, when they made it across the Mississippi and Huck disappeared for those 48 hours, it was a rendezvous. It was a rendezvous with her mother to give her an update on the status of the group, 
and uh, it's obvious that Elizabeth wants them to go to New York, or at least one of them, the one that Elizabeth calls the asset. I think that asset is hope. Why, I'm sorry, Iris. Why is Iris an asset? I have no idea. I don't know what it is from Iris that the CRM wants. No idea. I mean, they have their dad. Is he still alive or dead? We don't know. My guess is that he's dead already. Um, if you guys are thinking out there that she uh, might want to use uh, Dr. Leo Bennett's daughter as leverage against him to do the bidding of the CRM because they really need him that badly and he might still be alive, then there would be two assets. It would be Hope and Iris or, you know, not just one. And Elizabeth was very clear, asset, not assets. There's one asset. So uh, let's see what you guys are saying. Uh, two cool rights. I think Huck will die and it will drive Elizabeth to try and kill them. And that is a great theory right there. Let's say this thing takes a completely different spin next week. Let's say Huck does indeed end up dying. Okay. Now, Elizabeth, from trying to, you know, guide them to the CRM facility in New York State, just in that just enrages her and turns all the resources of the CRM over to finding that group and killing them. That means all of next season is going to be, well, not the entirety of it, but the CRM is going to be hunting down that group. And they have to find a way to make it to safety wherever that may be. I think they are going to end up going, they're going to continue their trek to New York to see if Leo Bennett is still alive or not. But they are finally going to see what the CRM is all about in next week's episode and how it's going to happen. I'm just excited as you guys waiting to find out how it does play out in the two hour finale season finale next week, but it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. And, uh, you know, we've been discussing this. It's been a slow buildup in World Beyond. I told you in the last several episodes, it's going to get crazy, and it is. Yesterday's episode, uh, let's talk about Silas, okay? Wow. Okay, we got a huge backstory into Silas. Uh, as we all suspected, he killed his dad in self-defense. He does suffer from the same anger and rage issues that his father has he blacks out when the uh you know his anger gets the better of him he does become violent but there is a distinct difference he does not hurt the people that he cares about uh the people that he has hurt he has deemed as a danger i absolutely truly believe him when he says that he blacked out uh, you know, when those anger rages kick in, you black out. So I absolutely believe when he's telling the group that he honestly doesn't remember. And when, you know, like I discussed uh, previously, one or two things happened in that bathroom. 
where Silas did end up bashing the head in of, of Tony. Either Silas walked in on Tony hurting or abusing Percy, and that triggered his rage, or B, Tony was trying to abuse, molest Silas, and that triggered his rage. Either way, Percy was there. He knows what happened, but he fled. Probably because of Silas. I mean, seeing his rage unloaded on Tony, it scared the crap out of him, and he ran. He didn't know if he was going to be next after he was done beating the crap and bashing Tony's skull in. So he ran. Uh, so in order... Now, we know that Elliot does not go off with the group. He goes off to find Silas. Silas leaves. He goes off on his own, believing, you know, that he's a danger to anybody that's close to him, and he's better off alone. And we see him, and it's a very crucial moment. It's a small scene, but I think it's a crucial scene as we see Silas walking away at the end where he finally kills a walker. Not try to avoid them like uh, Felix taught them. Avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. He walked right up to it and he killed a walker. That's a big moment because for, you know, eight episodes now, we've been watching these kids not kill walkers. Instead, they've been going around them, pushing them away, almost everything but put them down. So it was a great yesterday to see Silas have a moment and he realized, all right, you know what? Screw this. I'm taking this sucker out. For me, that was huge. And like I said, Elliot is going after him. So Elliot and Silas, well, they're going to catch up next week. And now we have the other part, the other four in the group who are going to continue on to New York. We know now that Huck is Elizabeth's daughter. A lot of questions, a lot of questions to be answered next week. So I'm really looking forward. So with that said, let's read, a, let's read an article on how other people reviewed yesterday's World Beyond episode, and we'll take it from there. So uh, the title of yesterday's episode was The Sky is a Graveyard. The implication of Silas killing his father have followed the character around his journey on The Walking Dead World Beyond. Throughout his arc in the first season, that hint of violence, potential or actualized, has been the thing that Hal Cumpston has projected most strongly. Not threatening per se, Silas has never looked like a direct threat to anyone, shrinking back rather than using his size to menace but fear. And, you know, hats off to uh, the actor Hal Cumpston. He's doing an amazing job and is probably one of the most interesting characters in World Beyond. Silas is afraid of himself in a way the other characters are not, and that hints more strongly than his zombie-bashing uh, fugue state that he's done some very bad things. These haven't been explicitly detailed, just hinted around with almost subliminal flashbacks. Until this week, 
where the whole bloody affair is revealed in full. The episode is divided pretty distinctly between two running plot threads. One, after the death of Tony and the disappearance of Percy, is the group deciding what to do about Silas, if he's even involved in the death. Silas maintains he has no memories of the events, and Tony and Percy were grifters, but Silas was found at the scene of the murder in an unresponsive state, and his wrench was coated in Tony's blood and brains. So unless there is some compelling evidence to exonerate him, he is guilty of murder. And what frustrated me watching yesterday's episode was that they were just trying to decide, did he do it or did he not do it? Not really discussing, hey, it was slightly touched on, but self-defense. Was he protecting Percy? Was he protecting himself? It was really, did he do it or did he not do it? Yeah, he did it. That's no mystery. I mean, all the evidence is there. He did it. Him blacking out is evidence that he did it. All right? So, but them not really hinting at the fact is, why would he do it? Okay? They didn't really delve into why, what would trigger somebody who we've been traveling with for all these past weeks to go into a fit of rage. Uh, the past times that we've seen him go into a fit of rage uh, with that walker was because he felt uh, there was a reason to. He was trying to protect Iris. So he will protect the ones that he cares about. So anyway, some like Iris and Elton are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Others like Hope and Huck are ready to cast him out or figure out some other way to deal with him. And what do you guys think of the influence that Huck has over Hope? After Hope and Huck spoke, basically Hope's response to Iris was basically whatever Huck told her. So you could tell Huck is very skilled on how to get under someone's, uh, into someone's, you know, head. And she is very much, uh, for a while now, before, you know, the whole Omaha colony fell, before they got the distress signal from Dr. Bennett, she has been working hope. Now, is hope the asset? Is it Iris? We don't know. But Huck has been focusing her attention on hope. Is that just to get close to Iris, or is Hope the asset? Again, we don't know. Felix hovers in the balance between the two poles, and a good subplot concerns various groups trying to sway him one way or another, with the group's democracy hanging in the balance. That no one asks Silas how he feels is unsurprising, as the destabilizing efforts the two adults undertook in the beginning of the series continues to separate the group out even to this day. No doubt that's an unintended consequence of Huck and Felix's efforts, because the Endlings now realize that there are no rules and that they have just as much say in their destiny as the adults do. There are no leaders anymore. 
They are in a whole new world, engaged in a whole different mission than the other two members who are over the age of 18 in the group have. Huck and Felix wanted to stop the group, but now there's no really turning back. And now we also know that Huck's attempt and agreeing in, you know, with Felix, we got to turn them around in the beginning, was just her playing with him. All right. She knew that they would never turn them around. They would never convince Iris, especially, or hope after she did finally make up her mind to turn them around. So to make sure there was no suspicion from Felix, she went along with him, you know, agreeing with him. Yeah, we got to take them back to Omaha and make no doubt about it. Huck knows exactly that Omaha has been demolished, has been slaughtered. It's no longer there. Uh, another question for next week is, are we going to find out? Is Hope, maybe in her dying moments, going to come clean and tell them about the CRM, what they did to their home? But I think somehow that question of the group finding out what has happened to the Omaha colony, I think they're going to find out next week. How? Again, I don't know. But I think they're going to find out somehow next week. Uh, so anyway, Huck and Felix wanted to stop the group, even though there's no turning back with or without the truck. They have been gifted by their dead companion. By attempting to divide and conquer, Felix actually empowered the children under his care to wrest control from him. And Huck's uh, admoni uh, sorry, admonition to hope to keep the greater mission in mind only encourages the shift in power and results in the ultimate disintegration of the group by the end of the episode. And again, you can really see Huck and how vital of a character she has become now that it has been revealed that she is part of the CRM. She is a CRM soldier. She's the daughter of the CRM leader. She has been with the Omaha colony for a while now. She was planted there for a purpose. So this plan has been long thought out by the CRM. Whatever that plan is, I have no idea. Khaleesi on YouTube writes, I was afraid Hope would kill him after that talk. Uh, no, no, I don't see Hope doing that. Uh, Philip on Facebook writes, I'm thinking Hope is an asset. It could be. It could be, guys. I really don't know. I uh, want to welcome LXZY. And uh, I am with us on Instagram and waving as uh, is Ethel and Gladson. Welcome to all you guys. Weaver writes, I'm a big fan of the work. Thank you so much, Weaver. Thank you for joining us. So let's continue on. Felix promised Silas a fresh start and yet... In the episode, the person least likely to give Silas a fresh start is himself, meaning Silas, not willing to forgive himself. And we saw that in the scene when the walker broke through the fence and uh, Silas had pretty, much, had pretty much broken free of his uh, restraints, the rope. But he didn't move. He just looked up and uh, gave up. He's like, I'm not a good person and I deserve to die. Elizabeth Patton's script doubles down on his guilt, his lingering doubts about his own ability 
to keep his friend safe, not from external threats, but from himself. The more Silas doubts himself, the more Felix, Huck, Hope, and Iris doubt him. Despite Elton's faith in his friend's unwillingness to engage in, vi- in violence, save for self-preservation. Basically, they're saying that Elliot knows, he understands that, yeah, Silas can get violent, but he gets violent only when something triggers him, when he senses danger. That Silas doesn't believe this about himself damages any arguments Iris or Elton might make to bring him to back him up. In spite of no dead or turned Percy on the premises and the fact that both of them had enemies all throughout the American wasteland, meaning there were grifters and they had made a lot of enemies on their journey. They were not even willing to entertain the idea. But like, again, it's no mystery. There was no, somebody did not come into that place and kill Tony. It was Silas. He did it. The reason is why did he do it? In order for a fresh start to be made, the person asking for a fresh start must first let go of their past sins, which is a reoccurring theme for the show. Hope struggling with the death of Elton's mother at her hands, Felix struggling with his desire to be a part of a family, and Elton's refusal to give up on the hope of seeing his mother and sister again, as well as Silas. So, yesterday, Hope finally told Elton the truth about his mom, that she's dead. What do you guys think of how that scene played out? Do you think it was done good? Do you think it was a little anticlimactic? Uh, Let me know if you guys liked. We we knew this plot plot twist from the very beginning of this season. We didn't know, we did not know how it would unfold. How would Hope uh, tell Elton? Would she tell Elton? How would Elton respond? For me, it was a little anticlimactic. It was, I was expecting more, you know? From the very first episode, you had this big plot twist in Hope killing Elton's mom when the zombie apocalypse broke out. And her telling it to him to tr- as a last-ditch effort for him not leaving and going out to try to find Silas and maybe his mom. She tells him that his mom is dead. How does she know she's dead? It's because she killed her. So, I don't know. It was a little anticlimactic for me. So, uh, I want to welcome Zofia, uh, who is Carl and Edith, and is now on Facebook. <laughs> so, yeah, we get that a lot. People uh, like to go to different platforms. We do stream simultaneously to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Anyway, Lennox has a good chemistry with Braxton, who plays young Silas, and when it time when it's time to turn adversarial, he's big enough to legitimately menace Hal Cumpston, who does a great job, great job of retreating into himself whenever confronted or threatened, and who manages to do some solid facial acting in his silent imprisonment, staring up at the sky. Again, Hal Cumpston has been doing an amazing job with the character of Silas. I can't say that enough. 
Their confrontation is brutally filmed by Lauren Yocanelli, who does a great job of both illustrating the father's bouts of violence and the frightening capacity for violence that Silas has. It's no wonder that he's scared of himself. He grew up watching his loving father lash out at his mother and eventually him. And like a lot of children from abusive situations, he's terrified of carrying the power dynamic forward in his life. So he overcorrected until he simply can't keep himself bottled up anymore. That's neither a healthy coping, coping mechanism nor a good way to get your friends to have faith in your ability to not flip out and beat someone to death with a wrench over a school-age crush. If Silas can't speak up in his own defense, why would anyone care that Elton is willing to go to bat for his friend to the point of leaving the group to make sure Silas knows that he is not forgotten. Great point right there. Undoubtedly, this is only a temporary separation. You can't lump the endlings together and then have them not see things through as a unit. Granted, this is the walking dead and anyone can die at any moment, usually after asking off the show or wanting more money. They're making a joke. But I don't see Silas and Elton leaving this uh, early on. Hal Cumston and Nicholas Cantu will get the opportunity to carry a bottle episode or a few subplots. And then something will force the group to reunite at some point per Walking Dead tradition. So it could very well be that Silas and Elton don't meet up with the group again until sometime next season. Is it possible for them to uh, meet up again in next week's episode? Yeah, absolutely. But what they're trying to say here that they are going to eventually end up together again. How many times have we seen in The Walking Dead, Fear, and now World Beyond, the, a group getting split? God knows we've seen it enough times on The Walking Dead. And eventually they all find their way back to each other. Uh, anyway, at least this decision wasn't stretched out over multiple episodes. If nothing, if nothing else, Worlds Beyond shorter run makes it for quicker resolutions. And the more Julia or Mon we get, the more I want to see the Civic Republic. So there you guys have it. You know, yesterday's recap of World Beyond, the Civic Republic, Huck, the daughter of Elizabeth, Silas, you know, wanting to die, thinking he's dangerous to all the people he cares about. He's wrong. Elton going after Silas. Hope telling Elton her secret. It's all been built up. The stage has been set for the finale next week. And your guess is as good as mine. All right? Are we going to lose Hope? Are we going to lose Huck? Are we going to lose both of them? But those are my number one and two on the list. Huck and Hope. Huck and Hope. One or the other or both are not going to make it to season two of World Beyond. This is the Walking Dead universe. And uh, there are no happy endings in the Walking Dead post-apocalyptic universe. We are going to lose some people next week. 
We're going to lose some vital people from the group next week. And I just can't wait to see that episode. So, let's move on to Fear the Walking Dead, which was the pseudo mid-season finale. Well, I say pseudo, it's because it was episode 7. The actual mid-season finale is going to be episode 8, which is going to be the pseudo mid-season premiere in February. Uh, so, as you can see, if you watched yesterday's episode of Fear the Walking Dead, it's exactly what the lead-up to a mid-season finale is. It was great. A lot of built-up stuff. Uh, we met a great actor uh, that they put in there, uh, Raphael Sparge, uh, who's very famous and a very well-known actor. He played the, uh, the guy in the hunting lodge. He did a great job. We met him and we lost him in the same episode. Not very, you know, we're very used to that in this universe. But, you know, yesterday's Fear of the Walking Dead revolved primarily around Charlie, okay, uh, Dakota, Alicia, Strand, Morgan, okay? And then we also got to see Virginia as well. It was great to see all of those characters together in a single episode. Uh, you know, for the majority of this season, we've talked about this a lot. It's usually been maybe two, maybe three characters from the regular cast that we get to see in a single episode. With the, with the exception being Morgan, who's had at least a little bit in every episode that we've had so far in Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh Yesterday's episode was great. I love the interaction between Charlie and Alicia, who we know are very close. Uh, Charlie and Zoe. Uh, sorry, Charlie and uh, Dakota, who's played by Zoe Coletti. Uh, Charlie's played by Alexa Niesenson, who's going to be our guest as well here very soon. Uh, so and then you throw in Alicia and then Strand wanting to do things his way, wanting to make Virginia happy, bring back Dakota to her sister. Alicia was willing to do that. She was willing to trade Dakota so Alicia and Charlie can have their freedom for Virginia. Virginia agreed to that. Uh, Alicia, at the end, ended up reneging on the deal. And, of course, Morgan wanting to slowly bring back all his people to that new place that he's been building up. And, yes, yesterday, finally, finally, it took seven episodes, but we got to see Karen David. We got to see Grace, a very pregnant Grace. I would say she's a good seven, eight months pregnant. So that gives us um, a kind of a timeline from last season into where we are now, uh, you know, it's been at least six months that have passed. And uh, Virginia has been keeping Grace locked up in a hole, away from everybody. Why? I don't know. Uh, is she a threat? Is she, You know, she does know that Grace is uh, Morgan's biggest weakness. So she might be keeping her isolated, not because she's pregnant, but she knew that if she ever needed to play that card 
against Morgan, that card was grace. And as the episode ended yesterday, we see Virginia showing Strand where she's been keeping grace all along. And she's ready to play that card. When Alicia reneged on her deal and took her sister Dakota with them and Morgan, well, you could see Virginia's eyes just literally bulge out of her head with rage and she's like okay that's it this is this is you're dead you're dead she that invoked the full fury of virginia okay alicia reneging on the deal and as soon as strand said that uh dakota virginia's sister is now with morgan bam oh my god anyway a lot more happened. Let's read this article and we'll talk about it as we go along. So, like I said, yesterday was the pseudo midseason finale. Near the end of Sunday's Fear of the Walking Dead midseason finale, we were threatened, we were treated, sorry, to the strangest of sights. And that's really saying something. Considering that already in the episode we had gotten a gander at what would be Dr. Moreau's extra creepy walker art, Strand was staring down Morgan and Alicia, and neither side was willing to back down. The point of contention, as with so many things in Season 6, the person to which all roads lead, Dakota. And from there, the things only escalated, and it says, it will explain how. You are a font of sisterly love. Early in the episode called Damage from the Inside, a convoy of rangers surrounding Dakota was attacked, giving her the perfect opportunity to try and escape once more from Virginia's embrace. When Strand realized that his boss, his boss's sister had gone AWOL, he desperately walkie-talkied Alicia for help. Now, initially, as I was watching the episode live yesterday, I thought, yeah, the convoy was ambushed. Maybe it's by this secret person who we are going to get to as to who the rumors are. The secret person is who's in charge of the spray painters. We still have no explanation in regard to that. But it turns out that it was Morgan. Morgan ambushed the convoy. Morgan is the one that killed all the pioneers by himself. Because uh, that's how talented, I guess, Morgan is. And Dakota made a run for it. And when she got over pouting about being sent away by her friend, she agreed, but not to assist Victor in any way. She explained to Charlie to see if whoever hit the convoy might help them get away from Virginia. As Alicia and Charlie approached what looked like to be a hunting lodge, they were greeted by some extra gnarly walkers, one of which I swear was made up to resemble the creature from the Black Lagoon. It did. It did look like a creature of the Black Lagoon. And that guy in there, he was doing some twisted crap to the walkers. His explanation was to make them more scarier than they already are, to keep anyone that had any thoughts of coming and maybe taking over that lodge to keep them away. 
the next thing it goes on to say, while Charlie stood guard outside, Alicia entered a home that could have been decorated by Norman Bates. And that's exactly, that's exactly what I said to my son as we were watching the episode. With all the stuffed uh, animals, and I don't mean teddy bears, the taxidermy that was going on in that place. I'm like, this is straight out of uh, Norman Bates' house in Psycho. There was so much taxidermy wildlife around. After spying a chap uh, whose name we'd soon learn was Ed, strategizing the best way to affix antlers to a walker in ranger garb. Alicia found herself knocked out by the same fellow. When she awakened, he explained that he revamped walkers as a way designed to scare people away, as if walkers alone weren't scary enough. Already at the lodge, Dakota was as happy as a clam, listening to old records, sharing family secrets. Virginia did kill her parents. My biggest question... When we heard Dakota say that Virginia killed her, their parents, it's not that simple in the zombie apocalypse. Were her parents perfectly healthy and normal and she just killed them? Were they both bit? Was it a mercy killing? Or did she kill them after they turned? Dakota never explains. And coming from, you know... She must have been, like, very young when this happened, because uh, it's well into the zombie apocalypse now. She might be remembering it all screwed up. We have no idea. No idea. But anyway, uh, making an excuse to slip away for a moment, Alicia discovered that Charlie had made her way inside the lodge, and she brought up a valuable intel. While Alicia had been out cold... Ed had boarded up the place like he was about to shoot a remake of Night of the Living Dead. After Charlie went back into hiding, Alicia was caught snooping around and blabbed to Ed that Dakota was Ginny's sister. So he had to let them go or, you know, else. As you wish, he replied. They could leave in the morning alone. With Alicia, Dakota agreed to go back, but not to Lawton. She would go with Alicia, but not to Lawton, where her sister Virginia is. Not a problem, Alicia assured her. She had somewhere else in mind. Later, Alicia quietly commandeered Ed's radio and offered Ginny a trade. Her and Charlie's freedom in exchange for her sister Dakota. In the night, Ed cranked up his outdoor stereo to draw to the lodge all the walkers that he'd rejiggered. Really, they should have been called loiterers since they didn't seem to have been in any hurry to walk away. Um, why was Ed doing this? He was making the place safe, he said. He was protecting Alicia and Dakota the way he has not been able to protect his late wife and daughter from the Ginny's from Ginny's Rangers, which we also find out later on that that's a lie. Okay, so Ed throughout the episode himself was not truthful. His story kept changing. So in the end, whether you believe him or not, 
I don't know. After Charlie came to the rescue, knocking out Ed with the same drug that he used to put Alicia to sleep, he quickly awakened, um, uh, actually teasing Charlie, saying that if you want the effects to last, you got to shoot it in the vein. Talking about the drug that Charlie used to inject him with to put him to sleep. In the ensuing scuffle, Ed wound up impaled on an antler. But since he wasn't really such a bad guy, he'd buy the young women time to make their escape. Oh, and the other thing he told Alicia, Rangers had not killed his family. It had been a walker he'd been working on. He created him just like Dr. Frankenstein created Frankenstein's monster. And just like Dr. Frankenstein, his creations, he realized very quickly he could not control them. As, as walkers broke through the front door, Ed served himself up to them like bonkers entree. Then oddly, they started wandering off. Like, what the hell was going on? And they were being drawn to the bright lights and the noise of Morgan's arrival. Needless to say, Alicia was shocked and thrilled to see her old friend. They all thought, everybody who has not seen Morgan yet, they all think he's dead. That was true for Alicia up until she saw him in yesterday's episode. In the morning, she revealed to Charlie that she was going to take her to the stadium and hopefully clear it. Was she really going to turn over Dakota? And the stadium, the stadium burnt down. That's how Madison supposedly died. Because the stadium was burning down. Why in the world would Alicia want to go back to a burnt down stadium? And that led to a whole bunch of uh, people speculating today again about Madison. Okay? So, uh, I wish I had an answer for you. You know, if they are bringing Kim Dickens back as Madison, you know, they did it. They've done an amazing job at keeping it a secret. But based on the trailer that we saw about what's coming up in the second half of Fear the Walking Dead, I'm still leaning towards we are not going to see Madison back on Fear. Now, I have no, I don't know, but I, I'm just, I don't see it happening. Nothing is pointing to that. Besides Alicia wanting to go back to a stadium that she knows is burnt to the ground. So anyway, continuing on, was she really going to turn over Dakota? Morgan wanted to use Jimmy's sister to trade for their people. Not very, he not very heroic, he knew, but we're all going to have to do things we never would have done before, was his quote. Just then, Alicia realized that he was the one who killed Dakota's convoy. Yikes. Remember, Alicia and all the rest of them have never seen Killer Morgan. Okay? They've always known Morgan as the person of, we have to save people. Life is precious. All life is precious. We save people. We don't kill people. They don't know Morgan from back in the Walking Dead days. Like we as viewers know the character of Morgan and how he has completely gone insane several times on the show. 
in season three of The Walking Dead when we saw him in the one episode. And then, of course, when he lost it again in All Out War. So they have no idea that, that he has that side of him. Anyway, Morgan had given the Rangers an option. He insisted to Alicia, but they chose Ginny. He hadn't blown up Tanktown, though, and he did not know who had. So that mystery still remains. We have no idea who sabotaged the oil fields, who is in charge of the spray paint people, who spray paint the phrase, the end is the beginning. We went through a whole half a season, even though it was we still should have had one more episode that we're not going to get till February for the first half to officially be over. But as of now, we have no idea who is leading the faction of people who are clearly sabotaging Virginia and everything that she's trying to do and rebuild her future, which we still don't know what that future looks like. Reeling, Alicia informs him that she could not reunite their group, not this way. So he promised to do whatever it takes to get us all to their new home, even Dakota. As they left, they were confronted by Strand, leading the aforementioned strangest of sights. Weapons were drawn, pulses raced, but in the end, Victor, he blinked. He put down his gun because they were his friends. Victor Strand truly believes that his plan to really ingrain himself into Virginia's group is the best way to take her down. But we also know Strand, and so does Alicia. She knows Strand very well, and how he could very easily be sucked in to the power that Virginia has given him, and her plan, and she has read Strand pretty well up to this point, in enticing him to turn against his friends and take her side. Now, is he still playing the game? Is the old Victor Strand coming out? You know, is he choosing the side that's going to grant him the better life? And that's all ever Victor wanted. Victor always wanted the option that would give him a better life. Uh, the most comfortable life. Because Strand, when we first met him, was a very selfish man. Yeah, we saw him go through a change in seasons four and five. He was full in on this, let's go ahead and save everybody. But this season, we're starting to see the old Strand come back. So anyway, he did put down his gun. Back in Lawton, Strand not only filled in Virginia, but pledged his allegiance to her. As a result, she revealed to him what the big show was. She had a Preggers Grace locked up and now wanted everyone else from the Gulch brought to her too. No doubt to kill them. If Morgan wanted to play hardball, well, that was her trump card. And she pulled out her trump card at the very end. That is why she was stashing away Grace, because she knew Morgan was still alive. And if she ever needed to play that trump card, she had Grace, and you can bet your butt off that she's going to use Grace to try to find a vulnerability in Morgan and ultimately, at least according to her, try to use Grace to bring down Morgan. It's all leading up to a fantastic 
what should be a fantastic second half of Fear of the Walking Dead. We just have to go through the normal mid-season break. It is going to resume again in February. And don't forget, February 28th, we are also getting the start of those six extra The Walking Dead episodes as well. So, next Sunday, we have the season finale of World Beyond. Two-hour season finale of The Walking Dead World Beyond. A lot of fascinating stuff to see there. And then... We're going to go three months without a Walking Dead show until February when they come back again. Except for World Beyond. For that, we have to wait another year. Anyway, guys, uh, Late Mike wants to know, when is Season 11 going to release again? Late Mike, first we have to get through the six episodes. The six extra episodes we're getting between Season 10 and Season 11. Those are going to start up on February 28th. So that's when those are coming. February 28th is going to be the first episode, one of six extra episodes of The Walking Dead that are neither season 10 or season 11. There are six bonus episodes sandwiched between season 10 and 11 of The Walking Dead. So anyway, guys, we are out of time. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in this hour. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow, and we've added a whole bunch of guests, so please visit our website, deadtalklive.com. You can see all of our upcoming guests, as well as any prior interviews and prior episodes, and get a whole bunch more information, social media links, and so on. If you haven't visited us on YouTube, please do so. Our YouTube channel name is Dead Talk Live. Please feel free to subscribe if you have yet to do so. If you're there right now, it'd be greatly appreciated if you hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. Please stay safe. And until tomorrow night, guys, stay walking.